Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! Hi, my name is Addison Bloom. I'm an advocate in Toledo, Ohio. Um, I'm a part of the Patients to Advocates Fellowship through NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Hi, my name's Alyssa. Um, I am a University Heights resident. I'm a patient to advocate, a jazz singer, and a vocal coach. Um, So, Addison, I wanted to ask you some questions. Um, Can you tell me... What uh, what was your abortion experience like? Yeah, so I had an abortion when I was 15 years old. Um, this experience was really hard for me, but um, was a part of like my formative years. <laughs> and it really inspired me to uh, take action and work in reproductive justice and join this program as well. Um, I had to face a lot of barriers um, as being a minor and also not having the money to afford an abortion. Um, And I recognize that these barriers affect all women um, that have had abortions and are detrimental to abortion access. Thank you. Um, I also wanted to ask you um, kind of just more about the barriers that you faced individually um, when you went to go get your procedure. Um, Yeah, so as a minor, I had to obtain permission from my parents. Um, That was really hard to be able to to have to sit in front of my mom and explain to her the circumstances that left me to have an abortion. Um, I was sexually assaulted, and I had to sit there and explain this to my mom and ask her to pay for this abortion and um, have her sign these papers. Um, That was really difficult for me. Um, The nearest clinic was far Um, I had to be taken out of school, and um, I was currently, and I know a lot of women can't have insurance to pay for it, Um, Medicaid, if you're low income, and yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, I also wanted to ask um, if you could tell me a little bit about the Hyde Amendment. Yeah, so the Hyde Amendment prevents... um, federal funds are being used for abortions. Um, so this includes Medicaid and if you have a government job, it's like you're in the army. Um, so it prevents that money from being used for an abortion. Um, and it really targets low-income women. Um, and in its creation, Henry Hyde um, quoted, uh, said, I would certainly like to prevent, if I could legally, anybody from having an abortion, a rich woman, a middle-class woman, or a poor woman. Unfortunately, the only vehicle available is the Medicaid bill. So this was a targeted attack against low-income women. Yeah, it's really unfortunate and sad, but thank you for sharing that with me and with everybody else. So I have some questions for you. Shoot. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to ask you the same question that you asked me initially. What was your abortion experience like? Um. Such a weighted question. It's such a stigmatized and really difficult topic to bring up um, and then to just talk about it publicly. Um, 
my abortion experience was and shouldn't have been as traumatic as it was, but because of the barriers that were in place, um, it prevented me from really like healing from the experience afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, I was 17 at the time. So just like you as a minor, I had to acquire, um, you know, I had to get permission from my parents in order for them to allow me to have the procedure done. Uh, I grew up in a religious home, so that was really, really difficult to (laughs) explain to my family. Um, uh, During the procedure, you know, my mom, went with me but it wasn't just a one one and done situation it's the 24-hour waiting period and then they sit you down you have to talk to a counselor so just kind of dehumanizing Mm -hmm. um it it felt like I couldn't be in control of my own body the whole time um and that's not a good feeling you know you want to be able to Uh, You want to be able to trust your medical providers. You want to be able to, you know, share things with your parents that they're proud of. And um, this was something that I could have done on my own. Um, But because of these laws in place, they have uh, made it really difficult for women to use. (laughs) I, I, I don't I guess they made it really difficult for women to take ownership of their bodies and to exercise their rights to that ownership. Um, So my abortion story, you know, it's like many others. And you'll find these stories happening all the time, every day. Um, But, you know, it it wasn't great. I found out that I couldn't receive the um, medication abortion. Um, which sucked because I wanted to be in the comfort of my own home. Um, but because of the ban, um, I was over the, the time frame. Um, and I had gone with the vacuum aspiration and, um, it was not my first choice. (laughs) If you're, if you have the ability to make it, a decision. I want to have sex with this person. You know, you should be able to like make the decision that I want to birth this child or, you know, I want, this is like a huge weighted Mm -hmm. thing. I'm, I'm talking a lot, but, um, yes, it was hard. It was very difficult. And, um, I'm here today hoping that we can kind of, um, look for a better generation, better future for women. Thank you for sharing. Thanks. Um, so my second question for you is, what would you have liked to known prior to having your abortion? Well, that there was a ban on uh, medication abortion because, mm-hmm. yeah, that was just not, that was not very fun. Um, what else would I have liked to known prior? I guess, I don't know. I guess that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, what would you like people to know about those who have had abortions? Um, that we're good women. Um, it's a, such a stigmatized. Uh, it's such it's such a highly stigmatized word, abortion. Just being able to vocalize that. Um, 
we are in charge of our bodies and we get to dictate our future. And I'm, you know, (sighs) those people who have had abortions, they're one in three, you know, happens more frequently than you think. Um, So I guess that's what I'd like to share. So thank you for talking with me today. Thank you. (laughs) Hello, my name is Jennifer. I am a Patients to Advocates Fellow. Um, I have been commuting from Kent, Ohio, and I am also a writer and a mother. My name is Marcy. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, So I'm right here in the local area. I'm a mother of three, uh, three daughters, a three-year-old, 15-year-old, and a 19-year-old. I am a part of uh, the Patients to Advocates program as well. Um, We're a part of the uh, second year group. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been very rewarding. So speaking of rewarding, how would you say that this program has affected your personal life? Uh, For me personally, um, I think when the program first started, um, I I had hopes for what I thought it would be. Um, But, you know, as time went on... um, of course, you know, um, or, well, I won't say I had hopes, but, um, (laughs) I'm sorry. Right. I I did. I had expectations, um, of, I I guess kind of what I thought it would be. And, um, by being new, I think like in my personal life, um, I wasn't as open to talking about it with family and friends mm-hmm. at first. Um, I just didn't know how they would, um, I guess, uh, take me being a part of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of, you know, the, the stigma uh, surrounding abortion. Um but as the program went on, I, I definitely became more and more comfortable. Yeah. Um, just talking about it with everyone mm-hmm. around me. And it's just, it's interesting because um, as I became more open, um, you know, some of my girlfriends and, uh, you know, other women that I know, they in turn became more open with me. Yeah. And, Um, I also, um, even, you know, some of my girlfriends expressed their interest in, you know, being a part of Mm -hmm. the program, which, um, I thought was awesome. Yeah. So. Sounds like it's deepened the quality of some of your relationships. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would have to agree that I've experienced similar things, Mm -hmm. even, um, even just within my home. I have three kids too. Um, but my oldest, um, is 15 and, um coming here and having these conversations has definitely carried over into the household in a way that it's I've been able to create or we have created more space to have um, conversations that might otherwise feel kind of tough um, or uh, but I guess learning the things that we have um, or learning how to um, articulate our stories 
um, has helped me to realize how important it is uh, to do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's oh, it, no. it's funny because years ago, you know, with um, with my daughters, I could never have imagined me like having like abortion magnets on my like mm-hmm. pro-choice magnets yes. on my refrigerator yep. you know just I, I think growing up me and my mother had a great relationship but I just wasn't able to talk to her as yeah. openly as um as I would like to think that my you know children can talk to me you know about yeah. issues like abortion so you know yeah. I think it's awesome that you know like I said this program has encouraged me to be more open and mm-hmm. and I hope in turn have made even you know like I said my daughter is more comfortable with the subject yeah you know definitely yeah I hear you on that um what about like your overall experience um being a part of the program is there like anything that stands out or just I guess like I said you're just overall well um I think that my favorite part actually sort of happened by accident um because I missed a module or that there was a week that everyone went down to Columbus lobby day Mm. I missed lobby day and it was pretty important and so I felt this pressure uh, to figure out like what sort of makeup work I was going to do. Like I wanted it to be meaningful. So it wasn't like, oh, I didn't, you know, deal with our legislators. I'm mm-hmm. just going to, you know, write on a piece of paper. So um, I put together a workshop about um, herbs that have been traditionally used to help maintain the female reproductive system. And I um, submitted a proposal to a reproductive justice conference and was accepted and I traveled to Philly which I had been wanting to go to for a long time um, and and I taught a workshop and mm-hmm. so like it was the first time that I ever did anything like that it was a um, well attended like how it was long it was like mm-hmm. an hour and a half two hour long workshop it was amazing yeah yeah So that's like, yeah, it was um, very empowering. It made Mm -hmm. me feel like I I can do this. It was a lot of work, but it felt it was like super rewarding and made me feel uh, confident in my ability to um, collect information and present it in a way that can be useful for people and accessible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think... um as, as far as like my overall experience mm-hmm. and like some of the things that stand out for me, I know I actually missed lobby day as well. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my daughter had a dentist, dentist appointment that mm-hmm. day. So, um, I was pretty upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think for me, like what stands out the most, I really enjoyed the panel at, um, OSU mm-hmm. and I think something that um, kind of um, enlightened me about the experience was that um, a lot of times we don't realize how important and like how um, I guess how powerful like our stories are yeah. you know because it's like you're sitting in front of this room full of medical students who can get all of the, 
you know, education in the world, you know, surrounding mm-hmm. their female reproductive system or, you know, whatever it is that they're studying. Yeah. But, you know, there's nothing that compares to actually being able to, I think, talk to patients, yeah. um, you know, who have been through, um, you know, who have had abortions and, um, you know, hearing their stories and, and, just being able to um, understand, like, you know, why safe abortion care is, like, so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. So, like I said, for yeah. me, that was, um, I, I really enjoyed that experience having, you know, being able to uh, talk to them. I enjoyed that, too. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, as I was coming in, or it was the, actually the interview, uh, one of the questions was like, why am I interested in this program? And I uh, said that I thought it would be a great opportunity for me to figure out how to make use of my story. And that panel, especially like that one in particular, made me feel like my experience is being valued in a way that can really impact um the way that things move forward in terms of um, abortion access and the way that people um, frame it, especially like, you know, people in the medical field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'd like to ask you if there is anything in particular that you were surprised to learn during the program. Um, Some things that I was surprised to learn. Um, I was very surprised to um, learn more about the crisis pregnancy centers. Mm -hmm. I was familiar um, with the crisis pregnancy pregnancy centers, but um, I just wasn't, uh, I guess, informed about, you know, all of the... (laughs) just deception, you know, and just some of the practices that, that they use to pretty much lure women, um, unsuspecting women Mm -hmm. who are, you know, at at probably the most vulnerable time of their lives, you know, into some of these clinics. I was just really, um, I was really surprised uh, to learn, um, about those and, um, um, I think that 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 was probably the, mm-hmm. the most shocking thing to me. Yeah, I was shocked too. Like, I mean, I had actually visited a crisis pregnancy pregnancy center, not on purpose, um, but personally, I was actually referred to one by the Ohio Department of Job and Family Services. So that's the thing that shocked me is that there are federal dollars going into promoting misinformation. I thought that that was pretty sick. Um, especially considering um, learning about the Hyde Amendment right. and how um, dollars are restricted from um, helping um, low-income women who have Medicaid coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, they cannot um, have their abortion care covered. And so it's they, there's this huge barrier for folks Um, And so you're going to create these barriers and yet at the same time allocate monies to misinform people. It just seems so wasteful and frustrating. But then like the other thing that I think uh, really surprised me is um, that number, that one in three number, like one in three women will have 
or have already had an abortion in their lifetime. And I'm like, well, what? <laughs> how are mm. we not talking about this? How are right. we not talking about this? Why is this such a secret? It really, for me, um, opened my eyes to the how much power stigma has that we can um, be so stifled and held back from supporting each other and and under offering each other understanding and and um yeah that that one was that's it's still big to me I feel like I say it once a day (laughs) once a day I'm like one in three (laughs) one in three like abortions exist regardless of whether or not they're legal you know and so it's like we either can make sure that we dedicate our um selves to making it accessible to people or we deal with the fact that like dangerous things can happen, you know, because it's, it's a thing. Like if, if we can't, if women cannot access safe legal abortions, then um, they might have to go another route. And that's um, something that we want to prevent. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I, <laughs> you kind of touched on what I was getting ready to ask you, Mm -hmm. but I just wanted to, um, for, for you to give your opinion on like why you feel like the the program is important. And I know, like I said, I know you just kind of uh, touched on that, um, a little bit just now. (laughs) Um, why I think patience to advocates is important. Um, I think the ripple effect is like what's what the key is, you know, like hearing about how um, the quality of your friendships has deepened in having these conversations. Um, I, I think that the thing is just like normalizing abortion because it is it's already normal, like as I right. like one in three. So like but normalizing these conversations so that, um, you know, it's accessible and, and, and women are safe. Um, I think that that is like the most important part of this program is like the conversations that happen afterwards and also like the action, um, Mm -hmm. that comes therein. uh, people are activated, like all these women in this room, um, developing this understanding about, um, how our stories are connected and, um, getting some context, uh, about like where we stand in this bigger system and trying to figure out like, well, how can we, uh, what are our next steps forward? So I think that that's, um, those are the most valuable parts of this program. But what about you? What do you think? Um, it's definitely, um, encouraged me to want to continue to just, um, be more knowledgeable and, um, and like you said, just open, um, open a discussion and I think you know it definitely changes um like as as generations go on like I said Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to have these conversations with my mother um it it really makes me feel good knowing that I I feel like almost like I've broken the cycle yes I have definitely (laughs) like I have definitely had that thought and that feeling like I have we have broken a cycle Mm -hmm. here definitely absolutely and that's important Mm -hmm. you know um because I I would, um, you know, like I said, I have teenage daughters and I would just, it it would break my heart to um, think that they couldn't, you know, come talk to me or, you know, even if they couldn't come talk to me, you know, places 
that um, I just feel like young women should be able to, you know, go and mm-hmm. have discussions like this, like you said, without just the, the stigma yeah. um, attached. And unfortunately, you know, there's so much stigma surrounding it. But hopefully, yeah. like you say, we're breaking down those barriers. We're breaking down those barriers, <laughs> like every day with these conversations with your abortion magnet on the fridge, like all of that, <laughs> all of it. Absolutely. Um, As far as um, legislation, Mm -hmm. I know uh, we were talking about like some of the things that we would like to see changed Mm -hmm. um, because we face so many barriers. Um, Can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you would like to see changed? Well, um, my mind goes straight to the Hyde Amendment. Um, I think that it's really cruel um, to block low-income women from accessing uh, the abortion care that they need to cause one more hurdle on top of everything else. You know, the cost of this procedure could mean a woman's rent, you know, uh, especially like a woman, a low-income woman, a woman with children, like trying to maintain her family. Like, I feel like these are the stories that we really have to talk about. And I think that um, that is the thing that I would like to see changed first and foremost like immediately like as soon as possible and I and I want to know how I can help is like um because it gets passed again every year Mm -hmm. like it's they (laughs) so I don't know I mean I guess people have been trying but I want to figure out what I can do is there something that we can do differently to stop this madness right Um, yeah what about you um, <clears throat> for me, I, I think the Hyde Amendment, of course, is uh, one that uh, stands out the most, especially being uh, prior military um, and being stationed overseas before um, you're not able to have an abortion like on an American um, military base. So mm-hmm. you're kind of forced to, uh, you know, venture out and in, into the unknown if you happen to be stationed overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, for me, the Hyde Amendment, um, I think that's something that stands out for me. And, and of course, you know, also the um, the way it blocks uh, low-income women um, from from being able to afford the procedures and also the 24-hour wait, waiting yeah. period. Um, you know, once again, I feel like this is a, one of the most vulnerable time in a woman's life. Mm-hmm. And um, you're kind of being forced to, um, you know, drag out a decision that yeah. you've already made yeah. and, you know, you're comfortable with and yeah. um, being forced to, uh, you know, have the the uh, ultrasound and, mm-hmm. you know, just. Yeah. So I would definitely like to see um, some of the legislature legislature change to, um, you know, make it make abortion care more ac- accessible. Yeah. Um, 
for for women um definitely those those well i those two things stand out the most the 24-hour waiting period in the Hyde Amendment. Yeah, you're right. Like, I wish that we could get rid of all the medically unnecessary stuff because at the <laughs> end of the day, it's it's a medical procedure. It's a simple procedure, right. right? So why are we adding all of these things? Well, we know why, you know. It's just, like, it's anti-woman nonsense. But this 24-hour waiting period, like, some women are driving an hour. I mean, I I had to drive an hour to the clinic and back and there's so much coordinating that has to go into like dealing with childcare and dealing with xyz so then to have to do that multiple times it's like it, it's just one more barrier you're right and it's and it's not necessary right. it's, so yeah i hear you